This episode of the Ty Capital Millionaire Podcast was brought to you by Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation by A.R. Morton. Black America Inc. is a piece of literature that details and illustrates the socioeconomic solutions that black Americans can implement in their communities today. Whether it be being captains of our own industries, creating our own political parties, or just learning how to strengthen our overall health and wealth, Black America Inc. is what black Americans and Americans in general need to get to the next level in 2017 and beyond. For too many years, we have been talking about the problems and not the solutions. For too many years, we have been pointing fingers at each other without talking about the solutions. This is why Black America Inc. is important. If you're ready to build yourself up and rebuild your community, head on over to Amazon.com and order your copy of Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation. My name is Andre C. Hatchett, a.k.a. Mr. Own or Be Own, and I'm encouraging everybody listening to this podcast to pick up my new book, Own or Be Own, The Black Man's Guide to Wealth Creation in America on Amazon.com. If you're a black man, if you need guidance, inspiration, a path, a path to follow to build wealth in this country, pick it up. Own or Be Own, The Black Man's Guide to Wealth Creation in America. Welcome to the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast with your host, Charles Oglesby III, a.k.a. Todd Millionaire. This is the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast. This is episode number 58. My name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire. I'm the founder and the director of the Todd Capital Investment Club. We now have 205 members. We're doing great things. And uh, somebody brought it to my attention. They said, hey, like you can't have an investment club that has more than 100 members. And so now we're going to break that investment club into sub-investment clubs. So we're going to have Thai Capital Investment Club, A, B, C, D, as many as we need, because the goal is always to bring people on, get people thinking uh, wealth consciously. So we just got to find the workaround. Always got to find the workaround. So for those who don't know, Todd Acquisitions um, is our real estate investment club. We are cash flowing deal one. We just started rehab on deal two today. So talking to the people, we're investing long distance, which requires you to be very entrepreneurial, but it's, it's cool. You have to be creative when you start investing long distance. And not only that, we just bought deal three. So we are three deals in. Deal three is going to be way more strategic. And we bought it better just because we took action and we're learning and we're we're figuring out better ways to do what we're doing. So great things are happening. Thank you all for tuning in. The purpose of this show is to share the stories of successful African-American investors and business owners so that people can hear the stories of successful examples and learn what I know. And what I hope you guys are learning is that business and investing are the key to financial success and generational wealth. And not only that, it's open to everybody. You don't have to have that perfect background. You don't have to have that model upbringing to succeed in business as long as you find that need and you feel it. Today, we have two guests. It's really cool. I love doing uh, shows with two people because you get multiple multiple dynamics, multiple energies. Um, and these two guys, um, they go by the name Corporate Coke and Smack. So we have Josh and we have Toby. Um, they're located in Baltimore, right? Well, right now we're in Newark, Delaware. Newark, Delaware. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, from Baltimore, though. And uh, Josh is working on his Series 6 right now. He has an yeah. MBA. That's and right. uh, Toby has a master's in finance, and he is working on his CFA. Correct. So these are some guys who are um, – they know what they're talking about in the realm of finance. And I really want them to share as much as they can share with the people because a lot of people, um, they're getting hip to investing these days. A lot of people are looking at the stock market. A lot of people are, are looking at real estate. A lot of people are looking at uh, cryptocurrencies. And they're like, what is this stuff? I don't even really know what's going on. First, um, I kind of just want to know where you went to school, where you guys are in your career, how you got to where you are now. Um, and then we'll kick off the show. 
All right, so uh, thank you for having us, Todd. Uh, my name is uh, Joshua DeShields. I am a co-host of uh, Corporate Cogus Map Podcast. Um, as Todd uh, aforementioned, I do have my MBA. Um, I'm currently working on my Series 6, um, and after that I work uh, for my Series 7, my Series 66 to become a registered uh, investment advisor uh, through FINRA. Um, currently in my corporate career, um, I work at a uh, wealth management firm. I'm currently in a support role, um, so I'm in contact with uh, investment advisors every day. Um, I'm working alongside them to come up with uh, strategic plans uh, for the clients um, that, that we manage their assets. Um, in my current role, um, you know, we, we manage uh, clients who have um, three million or greater in investable assets. Um, so that's currently where I'm at um, as far as um, my corporate career. Um, outside of corporate space, um, I am a, a member of uh, the For Our Boys mentoring program here in uh, Newark, Delaware. Um, and that's, you know, working alongside uh, young men ages of uh, 12 to 17. Um, just helping them with, um, you know, developmental skills and, you know, touching on those subjects where they may not learn in the public school system, but, you know, are, are definitely um, very important as far as, you know, building their personal careers, um, if not corporate, you know, entrepreneurial skills, just, just building those social skills as well. Um, because, you know, sometimes you see where, you know, we grow up, you know, in an urban community, but as we know, you know, we're minorities. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we're just a dot, you know, in the big pool of professionals that we're going to come in contact with. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a key member of that. Um, you know, I've also um, mentored in previous programs to um, Howard High School here in, Del in um, Delaware. Um, and that's always been a key uh, part of my developmental as far as personal development and, you know, giving back to the youth because I know that the youth are our future and they need, you know, mentorship from someone above them and someone who, who they can relate to, you know, and not necessarily in terms of who or, you know, um, skin color, but also just, you know, general interests that they can say, hey, you know, this guy's like me, you know, he went on to, you know, acquire his MBA, you know, he's going after um, investment licenses, things of that nature. So they can see that it's more to life than just, you know, athletics or, you know, you know, sports and video games and electronics, things like that. So that's just a little background on me. Um, I'll pass it over to Toby. All right. So I have to follow that up. So first off, say, say thank you for inviting me. You actually know Josh and you know him better than I do. And when he extended the invite to me, I thought it was a great example of just teamwork and just kind of, you know, assisting someone because he could have did this by himself, but he mentioned that, you know, he'd like me to join him. So I am also the co-host of Corporate Coke Smack. We can get into the name of the show and the reason why we uh, created that show later after the introduction. Uh, my educational background, I actually, drum roll please, I went to the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Uh, so we just had that big upset, <laughs> you know. So Congratulations. I'm, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I majored in financial economics and I did, I had an accounting certificate. So I do know a little bit about taxes and accounting 
And then I went on to do my master's at Loyola, Maryland. I'm, I'm a Maryland guy. I pretty much stayed there all my life until uh, my current uh, job called me and I moved to Delaware. But yeah, I, I gained my master's in finance from Loyola, Maryland. And then on the side, I'm also a treasurer for Express Ebo. So I am Nigerian. That's where I'm, that's where my parents were from. And I visited there. And I spent some of my childhood there. So I wanted to give back. So I found a nonprofit organization that promotes the language because that's something that it, it can get lost you know it's getting watered down each generation so i'm the treasurer for that group and i also am an active member of the for our boards mentoring program and like josh said all the reasons he mentioned i mean i don't even need to expound on that it's just important mm -hmm. that we show our young men like examples of what they can become and even what they can exceed so that pretty much sums up my intro it's funny because like, that's exactly what I was going to ask you next is like, what does corporate Coke and smack me? But, <laughs> but before I, before I get there, um, first, I think it's cool. I think it's really smart to have worked in a firm and then go get your securities licenses. It kind of makes that transition better. You have more experience. You've seen things, you've been exposed to different things. Yeah. Um, and I always, I always tell people, it's like, you have to get your foot in the door. And when you get your foot in the door, you're going to meet way more people than if you were sitting on the sidelines talking about getting your licenses. Like you already have the connections. You already know the people you need to know. You probably already know the clients you need to know. You already know how you're going to get more clients and you've been doing that for some time. So it's like you already have that path to success lined up for you. And that's very true. I would also like to add, you know, for me, I thought I waited a little bit too long to, to, to get that certification, you know, because as soon as I got out of school, I don't think I was ready, but now you're ready to do the practical things. You don't want to just talk about things in theory. It's like, okay, if you want to start it, I want to start the business. I have to start the business now. So studying now, is, it's just, it's taking up time. I wish I would have started this maybe two years ago, but I believe that we're, we're in these places for specific reasons that God has for us. So I can't complain, but I would say, yeah, definitely not when, not as soon as you get out of school, get your feet in the water, get some experience, and then, you know, don't procrastinate and just get it done. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm definitely about taking action corporate coke and smack yeah um first what does the name mean and then what's the show about what's the purpose of the show what's the goal there i i will tell you we'll both give you our thoughts on that because when we created it we, we had a consensus but i think over time sometimes it can, it can evolve as far as like what exactly corporate coke and smack is so how, you go first all right so you know my take on corporate coke and smack is you know you, you hear the name corporate coke and smack the corporate side is, you know, more so like, you know, we're down to business. You know, we're talking about, you know, progressive ideas and subject matters that, you know, anyone, you know, no one in particular can tune in and say, hey, I can listen to these guys. I can learn something from them. I can apply this to my life to, to make me a better person, to make, you know, my financial situation better. You know, and it doesn't have to uh, necessarily deal with finances. It can deal with, you know, personal development um so that, that's the corporate side now the coke and smack side is kind of more so like you know your everyday you know your, your twitter um viral stories so you know like most recently i think it's like the the, the miami spring break thing going on so so you know we, we touch on that in a sense to relate to our peers who may not be you know that developed in a sense of their, you know, maybe professional goals or um, their finances. So, so we speak a little bit on that. 
um, just so they can relate. But then that's when we bring the corporate side in. Once we grab and we can grasp their ear and say, hey, yeah. let's get down to business. This is the stuff that matters, you know, like, we, you know, we we're done with the fun and games because, and, and I, I told this to, um, to Toby on our most recent um, episode of um, Corporate Coca Smack was that I personally believe our generation takes too many things for granted. They, they take too many things in a joking matter. You know, what's really going to show is, you know, 15, 20 years down the road yeah. where, and you can attest to this, where, you know, we're laying the, the foundation. Yeah. You know, a house can't, can't be built on a weak foundation. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, what are, some, what are some examples that you would say that we kind of take not as serious as we probably should take? Well, I mean, you know, just um, for, for, for instance, you know, people, you know, may come on social media, the phrase, quote, unquote, you know, I'm broke, you know, like things like that. Like, I feel like that exerts a negative energy, you know, in a sense where, you know, if you're not broke, I mean, you know, it's, you don't have to, you know, step down to your, you know, to yeah. other people like, you know, to make them feel equal. You know, if anything you should use your, your your experience or your knowledge of how you were able to get ahead to show other people, hey, this is a way you can do it. Or maybe you can look at what, what I did and maybe, you know, make some alterations to my path and create your own lane. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know, just, just something like, you know, just something as little as that, you know, I feel like, you know, people kind of take out of context. I think another example that we can touch on personally is just legal protection of your intellectual property. You know, I think people joke around a lot with that and we have a, a story in regards to corporate coke and smack about that, but essentially, you know, kind of touching, kind of expounding on what he mentioned as far as like what, what corporate coke and smack is, the coke and smack portion, that's Baltimore. Like we grew up in Baltimore and we hung around we knew we, we knew a certain set of people where it's like these guys were the coolest guys ever, but they weren't getting an invite to the table. What I mean by that, they didn't have the tools to invest. They didn't have the tools to grow their wealth. So the corporate side is okay. We want to give you the invite to the table, you know, because we understand. Like after I got out of college, I realized that you know there are a lot of ways to make money out here. A lot of ways where I don't have to put myself at risk and I could just use my mind. And it's almost like you could you could set these, these these bots up and they can just, you know, automate some of these things. And it's like, okay, wow, I'm generating wealth. So corporate Coke and Smack is we want to bring all of our homies to the table and then we want to educate them. So when you say in Baltimore, you mean like the wire, like the show the wire. <laughs> hey, you know what? That, that actually is it. You know, everybody, when you say Baltimore, it is The Wire. And that was mm. a popular song, which was, uh, it, it had to do with Coke and Smack, you know. And uh, we, we looked at that and we saw how it moved the culture in Baltimore. You know, you mm. had all these kids who were singing and dancing to this, but they don't understand some of the like impact that you have on your mind. We're just thinking about drugs, 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 you know. So we thought about it and we're like, okay, well, hey, it, it's a great brand, you know, the, the, the Coke and Smack line, but let's make it our own. And we're guys who, we do have corporate roles, you know? So we thought, okay, well, let's bring the corporate to the shenanigans, put that together. And to your point, as far as the wire, Baltimore's gotten a little bit better. You know, we've gotten mm -hmm. more opportunities that there's been more development that's going on in Baltimore. So there's like a small subsect that you can say is the wire, but 
Nah, we, we graduated from the Y. What do you say we are now? You know what? We're UMBC. That's what we are. We're the underdogs <laughs> taking people down. We're no more the Y. We're UMBC. A little train, a little train that could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's. I mean, that's good to hear because I mean, for me, I'm always looking at different areas to invest in for real estate. And it's like you always look at Baltimore and there's opportunity yeah. there. There's these great homes. There's these huge row homes that could all be redeveloped and improved. I was listening to a few of your podcasts and you mentioned fighting gentrification. And I think mm -hmm. that's something that is going to become much more prevalent in Baltimore. And I mean, salute to guys like you who are going in and saying, you know what, I want to get this for us. You know, because a lot of people are looking at Baltimore. Like you mentioned, a lot of people are saying, hey, these are places where you know, give it a few years and things are going to be built and that's going to raise prices and, 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 and what have you. So I just wanted to salute you for what you're doing because I think that's that's very important for us to kind of fight that gentrification that happens in so many places. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, well, first, thank you, but I was going to say that, um, and I meant to touch on this, I'm trying not to take notes because I don't want to ruin my audio. Okay. Um, so I have to try to keep it in my head, but you said something about teamwork earlier. Yeah. And, and, the crazy part, one thing that I learned about podcasting for people who are listening is when you podcast, both people benefit. So you guys benefit because you're going to get, you're going to get access to my audience. I'm going to benefit because I have content for my audience. The sponsors benefit because they get to promote on the podcast. Yeah. I benefit because I have sponsors for the podcast. And so the point is that like when we work together, everybody benefits. It's not just me winning here. It's not just you winning here. And the same is true and investing the same is true in real estate the same is true in business when we work together everybody benefits but also when we work together everything is easier and so it's like you don't have to struggle by yourself you can work with somebody else and go just as far way faster so it's like that's really my my big thing is like the teamwork is everything man so true yeah and, and i definitely agree with that you know you know when you kind of transition that idea you know over the business and, and you have you know your your partners you know in your business and just being able to have you know multiple minds that can brainstorm about a certain initiative that you know you may have in mind and have being able to develop different plans on how to approach it and you know you can compare ideas and you may take a a little uh, idea or concept from everyone's plan and and build it into you know your ultimate initiative and like you said just having that teamwork it's not about you know competition it's more so about building everyone up and that that's important because everyone wins you know it's, it's no losers people always look at like the founders of google and say they're so wealthy there's so many millionaires at google there's so many millionaires at apple that we don't even know exist and so it's like i always tell people like i'd rather have 10 percent of a billion than 100 percent of a hundred thousand and so yeah. like we're all fighting to be that master of one business nobody wants to partner up nobody wants to give equity away but it's like if you give equity away you can scale so much higher than if you just yeah. try to kind of like be all things to that business. Yeah, you know, as far as teamwork, like with what we have with corporate Colton Smack, we actually don't, we have different views on plenty of things. Our investment uh, strategies are totally different. And I, the, way I, the way I look at it is, if you're thinking in quicksand, it, it's a slow decline. If you don't have somebody that's thinking differently from you, they're gonna be sinking right with you. You know, so with him, 
Like I'll say something and he might say, you know what? That's crazy. I, I think it should be X, Y, Z. Now we may not agree, but it has already prompted me to think a, a, a little bit outside of my box. You know, and now I'm thinking, okay, well, why do I feel so strongly about my view? And if I can't support that, then it's like, okay, well, why do you feel so strongly about your view? And he might sway me and it's like, okay, now we're better men. You leave that as, as better men. So yeah, to your point, teamwork. And I feel as though it, it, it's not taught to us. You know, like my mom would tell me, hey, I want you to go out there and make a billion. She's not telling me, you know, I want you to go out there and make a strong team and, and, and conquer the world. It, it's yeah. just, hey, go out there and, and, and be a big man and just conquer, you know? I say that all the time. I think that in a lot of ways we're taught to be independent instead yeah. of being like interdependent or a part of a team. So, yeah. so now that you kind of brought up investing, let's talk about investing. Um, I mean, what experience have you guys had investing um, just in general? What's your experience been like? I've been personally, I've been in uh, investing um, you know, my, my own assets. I'm in the stock market for about uh, three and a half years now. You know, as we all know, it's, it's been a nice ride. Uh, <laughs> like the last, well, overall about the last eight or nine years, um, but in my three and a half years, um, it's been a nice ride. Um, so, you know, I, I personally, I have um, a Roth IRA uh, that I invest in, um, you know, outside of my corporate 401k. Um, and I also have a taxable account um, that I invest in. When I first started investing, you know, like like some you know some of our peers or, or you know a lot of people honestly you know just 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 being you know just straightforward investing when people talk about investing they it can sometimes be intimidating for the fact that you know you may look at you know the the Dow Jones or the S and P um, and you go into a trading room and you just see this you know nonstop news you know it's headlines. You know, the, the, the market prices for different securities are constantly, you know, going up and down. And it's a lot of information to divulge. But at the same time, you know, my methodology is if you are serious about something, you're going to take the time to learn about it. Um, so me personally, um, I used um, Investopedia.com, um, you know, alongside my, my personal um trading experience um, in the stock market to kind of learn learn along the way because what I you know what I felt was that I wasn't going to sit out you know until I perfected it I felt the need to you know dive in because when I first started I was dealing with hundreds of you know hundreds of dollars now you know some of my trades now are you know tens of thousands of dollars so nice. they're you know definitely you know um gr greater uh, weight um, as far as my portfolio goes. But, you know, when I first started, I said, hey, you know, why not just jump in? You know, if I make mistakes, you lose some money, but you learn from it. I like to preach that to, you know, our, our podcast um, listeners and to anyone who may, you know, come to me about how I started investing because, you know, I do have friends who come to me um, because I talk about it a lot, you know, you know, via social media or just in person because I feel so strong about it because, you know, like your initiative, Todd, you know, I'm here for everyone to win. You know, I, what fun is it for me to be the only friend, you know, in, you know, a Rolls Royce or a Ferrari and, you know, 15, 20 years from now, like, yeah, I want the whole crew to be in one. So when I talk about it, um, you know, I, I tell them about my personal experiences. Um, 
No, I give them a little insight um, on, on what to expect. You know, the the price fluctuations that the, those are natural. So you know, you know, the, the the first day you invest, if your portfolio goes down, you, know, you, end, you end the day in the red. You know, don't you know get into a, a frantic panic or anything like that, or you know, hurry up and sell anything. Um, so you know, going back to the topic, um, I like to you know, kind of look at the whole grand scheme of things, um, you know, as far as the market. Um, no, I'm looking for plenty of opportunities, you know, um, whether domestically, internationally, um, you know, emer emerging markets are, are a big thing now. With, you know, you have, uh, I think the biggest one is like right now is India. Um, there's a lot going on over there. So, but but the number one thing I would say um, as far as investing is, is, is do your research, you know, do your research because nothing beats that, you know. Trust your instincts too. Yeah, yeah, definitely trust your instincts. Yeah. But you know, the, the research is is number one thing because. Well, when you say research, what do you mean by research? Okay. Because I know a lot of times people are saying research, and people are like, "Well, uh, they they'll just go read the business section of the newspaper." Right. What do you, right. What do you mean by research? So, so you know, you have kind of you know kind of two types of investing styles. Mainly, you have you know your technical, where you know you're looking at charts and um, you're reviewing those and patterns. That's the Bitcoin folks. Right, 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 right. <laughs> that bit big. I think that's a lot was going on with the um, with the cryptocurrencies. Like people are trying to kind of you know time in and hop in. What do you think? You know, all right, it, it hit a contraction. Now it's about to, you know, hit a hit an increase. Um, but what I was referring to was the fundamentals, you know, and that, you know, involves looking at um, financial statements, you know, income statements, um, cash flow analysis, I mean, things like that. Honestly, I, I, I want to step in and just say, you know, a really, a really basic way of doing some research is just figure out what your company is selling. You know, if you're buying, you know, a, a drug maker, well, figure out, okay, well, they got two drugs and they serve America and people say the drug is good. That's like a basic, you know, like do your research type because I think you're right. People do get intimidated by, you know, investing, but I also think they're comfortable. You know, they're comfortable with just, you know, I like my money to go into my paycheck for my employer and that's about it. You know, they need to, you know, kind of, when you talk about, you know, reading financial statements and that's where people might see these numbers and then it's like, oh, okay, I go, I go back to what I know and, and what I'm comfortable with. I think if you are looking at a stock and you can explain to me, okay, well, Apple makes laptops, phones, and, and, and they have Apple Music and I love all of them and all my friends love all of them. And, you know, we think that we're going to have Apple phones forever. Yeah. That's your research. That's your basic research. Yeah, I think that, that actually makes a lot of sense. It's like you start there and then you dig in. It's like you yeah. find something that people love. You find something that is hot. And it's kind of obvious. I think I said this on the podcast before. I was like, people know what they need to be buying. <laughs> you know Netflix is, is lit right now. You know that Apple is doing well right now. You know whatever. You, have, you got the iPhone 8. You have the iPhone 10. You have the, um, the, the AirPods product. And that's, that's another form of cash yeah. flow for the company. Um, you got, mm -hmm. I think it's a new MacBook, a, a new um, slightly uh, cheaper priced MacBook that's coming out. I, I expect to sell well just based on the price point. Yeah, I, I just think people like theory versus 
practical versus being practical. You know, it's like mm-hmm. in theory, you would love to hear about, okay, well, you own all these Apple phones and Apple's doing great and Apple stocks and you're but actually investing in it, that's where people are like, okay, I got to put my actual money into this. I have to mm-hmm. not be able to touch this money for X amount of days. And that's where it's just a mindset thing. And I, I think it all comes from, you know, our parents, you know, and mm-hmm. if, if, Anybody here has, has had parents who have taught them about investment from an early age, kudos to them. But most parents, you know, it, it, that's not the case. Yeah. I think that I saw this one statistic. It was an old statistic and it was talking about how like back in the day, like 95% of the millionaires didn't even finish high school. And this <laughs> is at a point in time when like college was like the pinnacle. And so then we all got sold on college and college is great. I have degrees, still getting degrees. But in actuality, you don't have to be a genius to get rich. You don't have to have multiple degrees to get rich. There's so many people out there who look like you and me who might not have gone gone on to college who might actually be able to do better investing in real estate or investing in the stock market. So that's one point I wanted to make. The next point I wanted to make was that um, that just taking action now and perfecting as you go. And that's what Josh was talking about, how like, like, the best time to start investing was 20 years ago. The next best time is now. So take action now, buy something now, watch it, watch it go up and down and you'll learn a lot faster when you're losing money or when you're making money, the switches are going to start clicking a lot faster. You're going to, the the lessons will be solidified a lot faster. So it's like, you're going to learn more with money on the line than you'll ever learn thinking about putting money on the line. Of course. So you know what? I, I was going to give my background investing. I, I got to stop going after you because you still on the thunder. But <laughs> essentially, I, I started investing when I was 17. And literally, I, I told my older brother, who's seven years older than me, I said, hey, I'm going to school and I'm going for finance. I didn't know anything about finance. I just picked it because it was the backup to mechanical engineering and it got tough. So my brother goes, okay, I want you to manage some money for me. So I opened up a, I think at the time it was like a Merrill Lynch account through Bank of America. They gave me a margin account. So I was able to double my buying power. So he gave me $5,000 and I thought, wow, I'm, I'm rich. So at the time, like I said, I, I was a novice investor. I had never invested anything. So I remember Valentine's Day was coming up and I, I had thought to myself, you know what? People are going to be buying a lot of jewelry. So let me invest in Zales. I remember Zales because I lost a lot of money on Zales. And you know, I, I remember I, I invested and my brother said, hey, how's the money? I said, yeah, it's fine. I didn't even check it. I just, you know, just said it and said it's fine. And then I remember he said, okay, hey, I, I want to, you know, get some get some money back. So I said, oh, crap, I, I have to sell. And I wound up losing him $2,000. Mm-hmm. So I remember I lied to him. I told him, I said, okay, yeah, you know, it takes this amount of days for it to clear. <laughs> and then, you know? So I lied to him and he finally figured out and he was so mad that I lied to him. He wasn't mad about losing the money. Cause he, that was a lesson he wanted to teach me, you know, because he knew I, I, I didn't really understand what I was getting myself into, you know? And from there, I, like, I, I'm not afraid of taking losses, you know? Like I, I think in every loss, there's some type of lesson you can learn. Like the lesson I'm learning there is be upfront. You know, like if, if you are dealing with a client and you're losing it, tell the client, you know, there's no point of holding off the inevitable. Now you're going to tell him two weeks later when, you know, he really needs it versus, you know, just like you mentioned, uh, the best time to start investing was 20 years ago. The next time is now, you know, so I feel like with me and in, in, in my investing approach, it's sort of like, you know, we talked about do the basic research, uh, make sure you understand what companies you're, you're investing in. And 
I don't know if we're going to dig into like the, the macroeconomic factors as well, because I, I try to pay attention to some of that as, as well, because um, sometimes that can affect, uh, you know, stocks and what's going on. But I mean, that, that'll be my approach. You know, just you have to be comfortable with learning from your mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. It's not going to be perfect. You know, you're never going to like everybody that we look up to as far as people that have made money. They always talk about failures. But we sometimes just forget about those talks and we just remember, oh, they make all this money, you know? So yeah. I'm, I'm, big on, I'm big on stressing, hey, you have to try and you have to learn to fail and, and move on from that. Yeah. So what are you guys investing in currently? We'll start with Toby. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So currently, I'm actually just invested in my 401k. So mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything on the side, but... I do have some opinions on, you know, what I would invest in in the future. Uh, so right now, I, I think as far as the, the investment li- landscape, I think it is, like, it's very green. You know, um, I would be interested in the financial sector uh, just because, honestly, interest rates are going up. I think that's, that's great for banks. And then, like, with, with Trump in office, he's somebody who is he hates regulations so as some of these regulations tend to you know either get repealed or 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 whatnot i see the financial sector really benefiting from that and also with all these new ways of you know like sending cash and receiving cash i also think that banks have yet to get into that i do know wells fargo has this cash payment app now it's it's called zelle you know for a long period Yeah, yeah, they're trying to get in on it. So I think that's also somewhere that, you know, these, these banks can get in on. And I know, I don't know if you heard, but JP Morgan, um, Berkshire and, and Amazon are also trying to do something in regards to healthcare. So I'm, I'd be big on financials right now. That, that's where I'd jump into. What about you? So personally, um, I am uh, into uh, solar stocks. Um, I'm into healthcare. I'm mm-hmm. in biotechs, um, and um, I think Todd and I we uh, spoke about this some months back um, um, in, a, in a group me chat. Um, I like the biotech um, sector for the fact that you know um, it may not be um, directly correlated with um, the overall economy for the fact that you know you know medicines and and, and things of that nature are going to be needed you know it, it's not going to go out of demand you know people are always on medicine and you need health care um and that's a sector that i like um due to the fact that um you know the the news that hits um based on these companies um do play um a good part in it but what I like is that you can do your research on a healthcare company or a biotech company into their pipeline hmm. and kind of get an insight into their future so hmm. for instance um, you have a, like for right now I have a, a company that I invest in um, called uh, Zibunir uh, Pharmaceuticals, um, Z or their ticker Z Y N E, and you know they recently had a meeting um, with the FDA regarding uh, one of their key products, and 
even though they took a fourth quarter loss in 2017, um, their pipeline um, is looking very promising. Mm -hmm. um, they had a positive meeting with the FDA, and I use um, I use that alongside you know the the the, um, the, the financial um, statements to also get a read on them. But um, one of the reasons I like that is that because small caps they're more riskier, mm -hmm. but they definitely have a lot of room for growth. Yeah, and so when you when you when you look at these small cap companies. Are you taking the approach of picking a few good ones? Or are you just kind of spreading it out there and seeing what hits? Um, no, I, I definitely don't spread out and see what hits. Um, you know, it, it's definitely very informed research. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say like, you know, hey, let me just pick, you know, some small caps and, you know, mm -hmm. kind of quote unquote, you know, see what happens. You know, that's yeah. really nice here. Well, the reason why I ask is because a lot of times with like biotech companies, Usually, it's not a company that actually has a product at market. They're mm -hmm. testing. They're right, yes. they're they're looking to get approvals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, how do you even value a company like that? So in a company like that, and like you said, it, it's very tricky. Um, you know, like I said, a lot of the, um, the the financial statements don't look promising. You know, a lot of them really operate at, at a loss. Um, but it's more so about what future needs can they meet. So, you know, I you know I, I look at some of the companies and they may be into like you know oncology oncology research. So they're looking at you know different cancers that they can um, you know find a, a solution or a cure for. Um, and you know, as you know, there isn't you know there aren't many cures for cancer that are currently on the market. Mm -hmm. um, but there always are a lot in testing. Yeah. And when you look at these companies, you know, we're investing for the future. We're not investing for right now. Absolutely. So, you know, you, you, you take a look at them and, and you see kind of what's their process. Um, you always um, look at the, the, the management and, kind of their history also because that, that mm -hmm. plays that plays a part into it you know this is all research or our background knowledge that plays um, a factor into your or what I would call you know stock selection as far as you know the, the, the um, small caps um, so as, as far like I said as far as the biotechs um, I would say like you said just looking forward to looking towards the future and mm -hmm. you know what they can bring to the market. Yeah. Because, as you know, you know, going back to, you know, the Facebooks and Googles, you start out small. Mm -hmm. You build into mid cap, you know, yeah. large yeah. cap, and, you know, then they're mega cap, you know. So it's all about trying to identify that up and coming company who has, you know, promise and actually has the workings in place where they yeah. can grow and not only appreciate your stock but also, you know, give, um, you know, rewards to the shareholders. Yeah. Yeah. And although I don't invest outside of my 401k, I still do look at my 401k and, you know, if I do have to rebalance at any time, I do so. And I'm heavily invested in the market as in the S&P and the Dow Jones. And one thing I, I do, there are a lot of free resources that people don't understand or that people don't know are out there. So 
One that is very important to me is the uh, JP Morgan Guide to the Markets. They put that out every quarter and there are a lot of charts. So I, I like charts because it's like, it goes up, that's good, it goes down, that's bad. You know, it, it just gives you a nice little display. And one of the things that I, that I see right now is, or that I pay attention to are earnings per share are at the highest level on like the S&P 500 than it's ever been. You know, so that's, that, that bodes well for the market. And also default rates, default rates are, 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 are lower or historically lower. I mean, I try to compare it to, you know, times where we had recessions and things like that and look at, okay, well, like prior to the, the crash in 08, you know, how were default rates looking in? Yeah, they were pretty low, but there was a, a, an upturn. You know, there's an upturn and you start to see, okay, well, maybe things might not be as green as they look, you know, but as of right now, things kind of, do look you know pretty safe so i would say if you're listening to this and thinking okay well how can i jump into something uh you have etfs exchange traded funds that you can jump into uh i mean anything that is is, is giving you a large majority of a major index like the s p or dow jones or like the russell 2000 i would say that's 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 a good bet one of the things i was going to say that uh josh mentioned early is the way that he invests in like small caps and biotechs is kind of how I invest in general because I'm always looking for the next big thing not necessarily the next biotech company but that's the reason why I'm in Under Armour I'm in Under Armour because I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to become as good as or almost as good as Nike because when it does it's going to reward the shareholders yeah so I mean that's not just um, something that's limited to small caps I mean it's like you say like you can take a mid cap Under Armour and turn it into a large cap to a mega cap and that's kind of what I'm betting on um, the next thing I, what I was going to say is like a lot of people, they're betting on a recession. They're like, oh, the economy's doing so well. Oh, we've been doing well for so long. Like they're thinking that like it's going to get worse. But it sounds like you think it's going to continue to get better. Do you agree? Well, I think right now it, it, it's going to continue to get better. And I mean, essentially, nobody can predict the future, you know. Yeah. But what I, what I will say is, OK. 08, we had the last recession. And then prior to that, it was the dot-com uh, boom. Uh, so that was in like 2000. So maybe we're due for one. You know, if we're looking at just trends, so I think prior to that, there was a recession in 1990, which was like the savings and loans crisis that happened. So maybe every 10 years, if you look at some chart, it can say, okay, well, hey, something big should come up. But I think right now, all indicators are, are, are pointing towards you know, like we're still doing well. Now, I do think we have a president who he, he scares us because essentially you think, well, well if, if markets are running efficiently, politics shouldn't play a part in the markets, you know, but I think with President Trump and everything that he's doing as far as kind of overstepping his boundaries, talking about certain companies and giving them positive sentiment. And, and so, yeah, it, it is affecting very slightly, but I think people think we're, we're, we're going towards that recession because of president Trump. And yeah. I mean, if you look at every, if you look at most of the factors today, as far as your jobs, I, I do think some fundamental things are off as far as like interest rates. Uh, I think they could be slightly higher and then inflation is also really, really low at this point. But I mean, if you consider all factors in of an economy, I, I don't think we're headed towards a recession. Yeah. What One thing that I'll say is that I think that, Donald Trump is doing things to help stimulate the economy. I don't think that we'll see the perverted effects of that until maybe about the end of his term or yeah. the mid of if he gets a second term. And that's the thing is like, we're growing now. Like exactly. what we're doing before is we're recovering. 
So like we had this huge boom and then we dropped and we had this years of run up that wasn't really a run up, it was a recovery. We we're just getting back to even. And yeah. so now we have some growth on top of that recovery. And then let's say we have continued steady growth. Some of the things that he's doing might be a little bit too much, but some I of it might be helpful. So and, and to your point, I, I think we will see the repercussions of some of the things that he's doing today. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't mm-hmm. think it's a if. I think we definitely will because as far as I mean, I, I don't want to get too much into like the individual things he's done. But when you look at some of the numbers, it's like, yeah, we're not going to feel that impact right now. All we're seeing are, OK, hey, the market loves this. This is great for business and everybody's cheering and more money is going into the stock market because, you know, the sentiment is so high. But to your point, yeah, it, it, I don't think it's an if it's just that was a win. And I mean, I've learned the hard way. You can't time the market, you know, so. I mean, if you're sitting on the sidelines and, and, and waiting for that buying opportunity, I, I like your your mindset, you know, because you want to buy low, but you're also missing out on the current gains. Yes, yeah. And the current yeah. Gains. yeah. I know a lot of people who did that too. A lot of people who, uh, they were afraid of what could happen in a, in a Trump presidency, and so they didn't do anything. They put their money in cash, and now they're trying to find a good time to buy now. <laughs> it's like yeah. now everything is so kind of toppy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's what's a good point to buy? And you know what? I can also say I actually didn't know what was going to go, what was, what was going to happen. And this is where I, I had to learn to, you know, I, I had to remember those mistakes that I made when I was seventeen. Get your feelings out of investing. You know, like I remember when he became president. Me and me and Josh had this conversation, and I told him I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to sit out of the market. And with me, I, I'm the type of person I'm I'm very. Like it, once I choose my path, I set a time limit, you know? So I said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll revisit it then a year. And I, I did end up reinvesting in the market, but I wasn't cash. And I was, I was looking at him and he was telling me all these gains he's getting. And I was just like, look, man, I don't want to talk to you right now. But that, that's a very good point. So I learned from that lesson. I actually talked to him about that. And I, I told him, you know, as far as just my feelings, like at the end of the day, even if we were going to, you know, see some clawback, me still being invested in, in 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 the market. I mean, we all know the saying: "What goes, I mean, what goes up must go down." It's the same thing the other way around. What goes down mm-hmm. must go up as well. So, I mean, I, I just saw that as another loss where I, I learned from. And I mean, I didn't even wait for the perfect opportunity to buy in. I had my 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 time period. I was like, okay, if it doesn't pan out by this time, I'm buying in. And I just bought yeah. in, you know, I was like, yeah. I wasn't trying to wait for the next uh, correction or anything. Cause what, what are, are we still waiting for the correction? Apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so all the people on the sideline right now, I mean, Hey, yeah. It's kind of like when, uh, when, when you see all, it's like when your parents punish you and you see all your friends outside jumping up and down and you're in the, you're in the house. Just like, man, can't when wait. When yeah. Is gonna end, right? yeah. Yeah. I think the one thing I learned from Kramer is that if you are, on the sidelines with cash, like you don't have to go all in when you hop in. You right. can kind of layer it in. So you can, let's say for example, you have a hundred thousand dollars. You can mm-hmm. put 10,000 in and then see what happens. Yep. If it goes down by more, if it goes up, you, you just kind of have to like assess it that way. So it's like, never really feel like you have to go full retard as they say. Definitely, um, right. And I, I know like with you personally, how you know, you're, you're definitely um, bullish on Under Armour. And I know how a lot, you know, you mentioned, hey, if it goes down, hey, we'll buy more. Hey, a <laughs> stack a better bargain. And, and, that's, and that's definitely, you know, my sentiment as well um, with my personal um, investments. When it goes down, you know, if I'm bullish on it, 
why not you know double down when it mm -hmm. you know takes a, a pullback or so um because you know ultimately you're expecting it to appreciate you know yeah. over you know 10 20 high whatever your time horizon is for your personal investment plan so you know why not double down on your bet say hey you know you're committed and you expect it to you know gain back whatever it lost in that short term you know period yeah, and yeah. I, what? I, think I heard one of your podcasts where you mentioned like Kevin Plank, the CEO, and how you, you love what he's doing. And I think with anybody out there who is tied to you, you have to have a, a personal relationship with either, let's say you love the management or let's say you love the product, but there has to be something that is making you fight for the stock. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, and I, I just don't believe in, you know, oh, well, I'm just going to keep this stock because I know it's going to be. So like you have to have some type of relationship where you can vouch for that stock. You know, it's like, well, I have, I've been buying Under Armour since I was 10, you know, or, or whatever your reason is. But I think for some people, they, they think the market is something where it's like, okay, well, yeah, I, I can put my money into this and it's just going to, you know, flourish over time. Just be, it's like, no, you, you have to like that research piece that we were talking about earlier. You have to do that. One thing I will say though, is that, Usually what you see is going to come to fruition. It just might not happen in six months. Right. And so like I, I've, I've, I wrote an article about this where like downtown LA, I moved to downtown LA and I was there like five years ago and everybody in the city is like, man, downtown LA is going to be popping. It's going to be so dope. <laughs> new bars, new this, new that. And like day by day, you didn't see the change. But if you go back there now, it's legit. Like downtown LA is legit now. And I've seen the same thing happen with stocks that I've called. Like I've called Twitter. I was like, man, Twitter's a dope company. It's a dope company. I was in it at like 24, it dropped to 12, and now I'm selling it at like 35. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, yeah, yeah, like it might have like it, it in six months, people will be right when they're telling you, like, oh man, Twitter's nothing, Twitter's nothing, it sucks. But then in two years, when you double your money or you quadruple your money, if you would have doubled down at that 12, then what you saw. As long as you have faith and conviction, you're in there for the right reasons, it'll come to fruition. You just got to have patience. That's what they say. Like being a value and investor is really a patience game. Like Warren Buffett plays the patience game. So you find something that everybody else might miss out. Everybody else might not see. But as long as you hold it for long enough time, you'll be rewarded for that. Yeah. And I also think it's important to let people know that when you do hold a stock, like unless that company is doing so terrible where they have to liquidate their uh, assets, or let's say they, they they get bought out, and even when they get bought out, the the shareholders get some type of payment. I mean, yep. you, you're not going to lose all of your money, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, you will get stung just a little bit, but we all have our nicks and bruises in life, and we pick ourselves up and we keep on going. So, yep. I think that's important to to say. Like, if you invest a hundred dollars, yes, it it, it 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 probably will go down, but you're still going to have some stake in that company unless it's just a terrible company like, I don't know, like a Sears or something like that where it's just in the yeah. tank. Yeah. yeah, usually you spot that coming. Like, yeah. I mean, with like JCPenney's or Macy's, like they're trying to save them, but Did I don't know. It's, it's clear warning signs that come, you know, yeah. before the ultimate tank. Did anybody it, spot Toys R Us? I don't know. I don't know if anybody yeah. spotted. I didn't spot Toys yeah. R Us. But one thing I will say with Macy's, like the way I kind of spotted the warning signs with Macy's, every time I was in there, they had a sale. Yeah, I was like, why, why is everything on sale all the time? Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, yeah. it's like you, you yeah. walk into the uh, Ralph Lauren yeah. section and, you know, you can get a, 
$115 hoodie for like $50, you know? Yeah, if, like, if the brand isn't matching up with the sale, like, you know, I think Macy's to me used to be this place where I could walk in there and get a suit, you know, but it started to change into this, okay, well, I can just go get a, like a little t-shirt for on sale for five bucks and, you know, they'll, they'll offer me more coupons after I leave. So it became this bargain for, you know, I didn't think the brand matched up. So yeah, you, you tend to see some of the signs, whether you choose to ignore them or not, you know, they, they mm -hmm. pop out to you. Yeah. And that's what's happening, you know, some right now with um, some retail brands that they're opening so many outlet stores that yeah. they're really diluting, you know, the, the value of their products, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I know for a while, you know, for, for Coach, you know, for instance, they had, you know, you got Coach outlets popping up everywhere. So these purses that are normally, you know, 300, 400, you know, in excess, you know, they're selling them, you know, 50% off sales, you know, mm -hmm. every other weekend, you know, you're not leaving the value of your product. So, you know, versus someone going to uh, a full retail location at, you know, your, your local mall, let's say, hey, let, let's go to the, the outlet, you know, an hour or so away and we can get the same item or, you know, a, a similar item for, you know, 50, 60 percent off, you know, whatever the deal yeah. they, they currently have going on. So I, I do think that some companies drove their sales in the hole by offering, you know, so many bargains where, you know, they, they first used the bargains to attract customers to the brand, but then the clients or the, you know, the customers were, mm -hmm. had access to so many bargains yeah. that you say, Hey, why go to a full retail location? You know, and not even coach, you know, we talk about Michael Kors, you know, they, they had a terrible, you know, uh, last year or two in, in the retail space where, you know, I think in 2016, that was kind of like the hot brand or what's not for, for, for women um, as far as the handbags. And like I said, they open up outlets, you know, left and right. You can't get full value for your product when clients are going to lean on, you know, the bargains to, to get more value for their own dollar. Yeah. And I, I think to your point, you mentioned something that I wanted to talk about. It, it was, so with these companies that let's say they're failing or th their locations aren't doing as well, I think they're treating people who are buying their products as customers and not clients. You know, because with a client, it, it's somebody where you have that relationship with them and you, these are re repeat customers. They're going to come back again and again. Your customer is just, hey, I'm just going to walk into the store, buy this and be out. I think some of these uh, companies are starting to learn from other companies. I'd say like your Apple, as far as their stores, you, you see the experience. You walk into there and it's like, you know what store you're into, whether it's it's, it's not as it's bright in the room. You can tell from their workers and the, the uniforms and the way they address you, like you get the full experience. I think some of these retailers were just creating stores just to push their products, but they're not giving yeah. that experience. You know? And, and what, what's unfortunate now is you don't need a retail store anymore. And yeah. so you have all these people trying to compete on price with Amazon or compete on price with whoever else is an online retailer but they have higher overhead. So it's like, you yeah. can only drop your prices so low, especially when you have Amazon who doesn't have to pay salespeople, doesn't have to pay uh, the mortgage. And what Macy's did wrong 
is not only do they have one big store and a lot of malls, they have two big stores now. So they made a a mistake twice. (laughs) (laughs) Like who does that, man? And like that, you know, that sometimes if they don't have two locations in the same mall, you know, they have, you know, locations literally miles away. And you know, you now think, they're competing with you, right? You got yeah. the same brand or the same company competing just a matter of separate locations. It it was aggressive, but it was kind of a misstep. It looks like Blockbuster, man. Like Macy's <laughs> and all these malls is looking like Blockbuster. Amazon is looking like Netflix. And yeah. so, like, I think my my one one thing, my point I was trying to make is like, as an investor, you have to keep your eyes open. You have to be looking at all times and looking at things as an investor. It's like you need to look like if you go to Starbucks and there's a line 10, 10 cars long, like that's a good thing. As an investor, that's a good thing. Not if you go to, I don't know, a restaurant, aren't really doing that well. If you go to like Applebee's yeah. or Arby's <laughs> and there's nobody there, like that's an indication that like it's not doing that well. So it kind of goes back to what Toby was saying. It's like, you know what you need to be buying. You know what you need to not be buying. Like, it's not that complicated. So it's like, put the money in your Robinhood account, which is something I endorse these days. I don't know if you guys use Robinhood, but it's pretty dope. Yeah. Um, even Robinhood Gold is pretty dope. I had to upgrade, it's like 10 bucks a month, and they give you like an extra like 2,000 to trade with. And then they also like, of course, the free trades are dope. Yeah. So anybody looking to, uh, and that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you was like, what kind of apps you guys are using? So like for me, I like Robinhood. I analyze my stocks with like this Google finance thing because it lets me see after arc, after hours valuations. Yeah. Whereas like the stock, the stocks app on the Apple phone is trash. Right, I kind of yeah, want to delete no. it. Yeah. I, I personally, I use Yahoo. I use Yahoo finance yeah. to uh, track, um, you know, the, the, the up to date um, market prices uh, for the securities that I follow on my watch list. Um, but as far as, you know, what platforms I use to invest, um, I use uh, Merrill Edge, um, and that's just based on my personal relationship that I have with um, Bank of America. Um, and Merrill Edge is, is a sub- subsidiary of uh, Merrill Lynch, and they fall under, you know, the Bank of America umbrella. So um, they do give me perks uh, based on um, my assets that I have with them. Um, I also use uh, Charles Schwab. Um, they have a nice list of commission-free uh, ETFs um, that I, I use um, to my advantage um, to, um, you know, invest in as far as, you know, uh, uh, S&P 500 ETF, um, an emergent market ETF, or, you know, a dividend fund-based ETF. For the people who don't know what an ETF is, can you kind of briefly explain that? Yes, yes. So ETF is exchange-traded fund. Um they, they trade similar to uh, individual stock, but what an ETF is, is it's a collection of stocks under one fund. So, you know, the, the fund, um, I'll give an example um, of the uh, Schwab dividend fund, you know, 5% of it may be Apple, 4% may be Microsoft. So it's, it's taking um, proportional ownership from multiple securities putting under one fund. So in essence, it's giving you great uh, diversification, um, you know, um, within your your your, your investing uh, plan um, or your investing portfolio in this whole. Um, and, and I think that's key when you, when you first get into investing. And, and that's how I started personally. Um, I started with ETFs, you know, before I got it involved into individual securities. 
Um, I started with ETFs because that was a safer play. Um, you know, and, and they involve a commission just like, you know, any individual security that you may um, buy or sell on, you know, your um, respective platform that you use. Uh, but it gives you that diversification where you're not all in on one company. So, you know, if that company that's good, that's great. But if that company that's bad, you know, you, you're seeing that um, reduction in, in your market value in your portfolio. And that's important because a lot of times people look at the upside, but they don't necessarily protect the downside. And that's very key in, in an investment portfolio because even though you know we're on this um, bull market run, there's going to come a time. You know, it's just for just part of the economical cycles. You know, you have your expansion, then you're going to hit a peak, then you're going to hit a contraction. So mm -hmm. when the the economy has that contraction and things start to fall, you know, you need that downside protection to limit your losses. And, you know, I, I looked at that um, as part of my individual investment plan where I didn't want to necessarily, you know, shoot for the moon um, in, in terms of, re of my returns on my investments. Um, because when you, when you invest without a plan, that's where things can kind of go wrong. You know, and, and me personally, I have a goals-based um, investment plan. So I know like, okay, I have my personal plan. Hey, this is what I want to hit each year. And with that being said, I know that I can develop a strategy where I can invest in, um, you know, securities, whether equities or fixed income, that's going to meet my personal goal um, of, of what I want to hit, you know, and, and that's based on, you know, if I have uh, plans for, you know, a house, a family, you know, um, children. I, I currently don't have any children, but just looking down the road um, for, you know, um, higher education um, planning, you know, 529 plan or, or, you know, a Coverdale plan. So things like that. Um, like, like you said, you definitely want to have a holistic plan in place so that, you know, you can spot those opportunities. Um, if you need to jump in on them, you can. But at the same time, you have that, personal goal in place where you know all right if i'm you know uh coming up to that to that goal then i don't have to be you know as risky in the market because i'm going to hit that yearly you know roi you know based on your your, your personal allocations yeah yeah, and I, I guess to, to add on to like the ETFs when you were explaining them, you do have lower operating costs with ETFs, so they tend to be cheaper. And I, I think there also should be a tax benefit to ETFs too. I'm not quite sure, but I know in regards to ETFs, you, you kind of compare them to like your mutual funds and like you're not, but an ETF, it, it has its own individual price. You're not buying into like the we're adding into the net asset value of a, of a specific fund. So I think if you look into like the tax advantages, they sh there, there would be some in favor of ETFs as well. Yeah. And then as far as, I guess, what I use for like my stock analysis and things like that, I, I just use Yahoo Finance. I think that's a simple go-to for me. When I was trading individual stocks, I would just simply use E-Trade. But I was looking into the Robinhood app. And there was an article on, I don't know if it was on CNBC or um, 
I don't know. There was an article I read about it, and I was interested in that. So I probably will leverage that in the near future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like so, I, the ETF, they definitely have a much lower um, expense ratio yeah. compared to mutual funds. Um, so that's that's the great advantage. Yeah. They're not they're not traded as often, so the management fees are much less. And um, a lot of them, you know, mimic um, a major in, you know index or indices. Um, so, you know, if that's something that's part of your investment plan, then, you know, cost effective wise, it, it makes perfect sense. This is Ken Morris, the CEO and founder of Multibex, the private equity investment firm and the creator of the brand Lord of My Land, the alpha gentleman entrepreneur. And I am a proud supporter of Tide Capital. You can find me on Instagram at Lord of My Land and at the Lord Ken. This is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire host of the Millionaire Podcast, and I'm the founder and the director of the Todd Capital Investment Club that now has over 200 members, Todd Acquisitions, which is our crowdfunded real estate firm, and Todd Ventures, our crowdfunded venture capital firm. I am formally inviting you to join one of our many investment clubs. If you are someone who is new to investing, a seasoned investor, or someone who doesn't even know what investing is, we know that you will learn the key to investing and how to build generational wealth through the use of crowdfunding by working with our team. Email info at capitaltod.com to join today. With mutual funds, mutual funds are kind of old school these days. You might have them in your 401k, but uh, I remember they used to have that load. And so you have to pay like 5.5% yeah. just to get in there and on an A share. And then they would always say like, well, A shares are better because you have less expenses ongoing. But if you get C shares, it's only 1% load, but then they charge you a higher expense ratio. Yeah. So it's kind of mutual funds are super old school. You have somebody who wants to invest a hundred grand and they got to pay five grand to invest. That's crazy. That's crazy. So I have a few questions regarding uh, just like social issues. Okay. Um, It's something that I, I think it's what's going on. I don't know if anybody else is seeing it, but um, the question is, have you seen an uptick in self-reliance group economics and wealth consciousness since the Trump election? Uh, yes, personally, I have, you know, I, I look at it um, from, you know, platforms like yours, um, you know, via via social media. I would say that initially people looked at it and, you know, were in an uproar and like, yo, you know, this quote unquote racist guy is, you know, our, you know, executive over the, the, the free world. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, you know, Trump, he, he has, you know, a lot of uh, controversies that come, you know, with his presidency. I think it's come a time where people have, you know, looked and said, you know, hey, like we can't we can no longer depend on, you know, government assistance or, quote unquote, you know, the black president to save us. You know, it's like you got to take action on your own, because if you know, if you don't who will for you, you know, like you're your personal advocate. So, you know, you got to step up to the plate, you know, you got to, you know, um, take those uh, educational opportunities, you know, enlighten yourself. Like you said, you know, contact people, you know, use the internet, like the internet is the greatest resource. Like I, I, I use this quote all the time. I say that, you know, you know, people talk about how, you know, America's racist and all this. And I said, the best thing he did was, you know, give minorities the internet. Like, they gave us the greatest resource, you know, that you could ask for. You know, knowledge all on the internet. And, you know, not all of it's factual, but, you know, majority of it is. So, yeah, as far as your question, um, 
yeah, I do think his presidency has opened eyes and it's made people realize, like, like I said, you can't wait on that savior, you know? Yeah. You got to take action. You got to take risks. You know, you got to put your money out there. You got to make those sacrifices in your personal life that are going to allow you, you know, for, for greater long-term success and to, you know, help with, you know, your, your wealth creation. Not to kind of, I know Toby's about to talk right now, but the crazy part about it is, and this is something I'm all, I'm super big on self-reliance, depending on yourself. Yeah. But I always tell people like, think about it this way. If you do all this stuff, mm-hmm. depending on yourself and you get government help, that just makes you even better off. Yeah. So if you either, if you get it, that's great. If you don't, you already position yourself to win anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why the only, the only way you can lose is by sitting around waiting for it. Right. Because then if you get it, it's great. But if you don't get it, then you're still in the same position. So it's like, at least do something, build something, create something, like put something out into the world that is valuable. And that is how you're going to bring wealth to you and your family, like by attaching your name to it, by attaching your heirs to it. Yeah. And I was going to say, I I also see an uptick since the Trump presidency and self-reliance and group economics. I think, like we're looking at that in Hollywood right now, it's really big. I want to see it on a bigger scale simply because I know like me and Josh were talking about like Black Panther, it would have been dope if we could have put our own money up for that, you know, but essentially you do see more people coming together, like more people in Hollywood are maybe starting their own networks. I know there was a whole debacle about Netflix and paying people, but some of the, do- some of the dollar that came out of that was great. You know, people were saying, well, let's start, putting the money into the production and, and going to these companies and saying, Hey, I want this. If you can't give it to me, I'm going to put it out anyway. So I do see, you know, like Holly, I wanted to spread out to like neighborhoods where it's like, okay, now we're looking at these, 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 these neighborhoods and these homes. It's like, okay, well, Hey, let's, let's buy this, let's buy this up and own this for us. You know, but I, I do think it's, it's, it's spreading out. And then as far as self-reliance, yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, you can't just sit back and, and, and wait for everything to happen. And I think right now we're in an environment where it, it, it's promoted to like, get up and do things. You know, it's like you have the internet out there where if you want to start a business, you can look it up and everything is right there for you. When me and him started Corporate Open Smack, we, the first thing we did was file a trademark. We had never done that before. All we did was pull up a computer. There were steps and maybe it took us like what? 15, 20 minutes or yeah. something like that to actually understand it. And then we did it and it yeah. actually came back to save us later on in, 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 in our uh, podcast life because uh, Coca-Cola was actually coming to try and get us to change our name because of that. Really? Yeah. yeah. Coca-Cola? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're currently, yeah. Uh, so now it's out there. Yeah. We're currently going through a trademark opposition uh, with Coca-Cola. Um, wow. I think the likeness of the name. I think. Really? I, I yes. think it's a, I think it's a scare tactic because essentially they they sent us a letter and we got on the phone with a couple of their lawyers and in the letter in the email it said hey we want to amicably uh, handle this you know so I'm yeah. thinking amicable means both parties end up you know in some type of good position so he called or we called and it was just hey we want you to voluntarily let go of this name because it is encroaching on our brand and we're thinking well you guys are a beverage company and essentially when we fill out when we filled out this trademark application there is a search that is gone through the uh, trademark system so it's not as if you guys had taken this name up and you know so next we get a letter and I think 
maybe their hopes are, you know, 30 days goes by and if you don't respond and then we have to then legally give up the name. But I don't think it's in their best interest to, to follow through with this. But it was just interesting. And I, I think that's a lesson that anybody can learn out there is you got to protect your stuff. You know, if you if you're like, I, I see people all the time who are just creatives and the first thing they want to do is share it. You know, they want to show their friends on social media. And then now it's 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 it's, it's uh, what Kylie Jenner takes your design and puts it on a T-shirt and makes millions of dollars off of it. And you want to cry. And it's like at that point, it's already too late. You know, all you all you can do is complain and, and, and maybe create some type of group that riles up against whoever it is until two months down the line. And now everything's fine. So that 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 whole self-reliance thing, I, I think the Internet is is propelled us to like they've given us the tools you know everything's mm-hmm. out there you have no excuse to just sit back and, and, and wait for, for something to happen I think that um, just kind of the way law works is like if you do what's right you can protect yourself we hear a lot yeah. of stories about quote injustices and this is a controversial topic and people might not like that I say this but in a lot of times you don't have the perfect victim you have somebody who contributed to their demise yeah. So it's like, if you do everything right, the system's going to protect you. If you guys file your patent or your, your trademark, the system's going to protect you. But so many people just assume that the system's out to get them. And so they do nothing yeah. and they get screwed. And they're like, we is oppressed. It's like, no, like, just yeah. do what you got to yeah. do. Like, yeah. I had a similar situation that took place with uh, with my with my name. Somebody popped up like, oh, Ty Capital is my company. I need you to take that off your website. I was like, bro, like, these are the docs. I don't yeah, know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I did what I was supposed to do. And so it's like, he can't even argue with that. And if he did, it's a big waste of money on his part. Just exactly. like you guys know, like Coke is going to be spending their legal dollars fighting a problem that they yep. don't want because you guys do what you're supposed to do. So it's like, yeah. we can't keep creating for free, not protecting what we're creating because that's wealth. They will take it out there and they will catch me outside. How about that? And they'll become millionaires yeah. while yeah, on, yeah. Fleet, on Fleet yeah. Girl doesn't protect what she has. They run with her phrase. And she's out here having a GoFundMe trying to make $100,000 a year yeah. later after her phrase becomes yeah. popular. So it's and like you do got to, it's, it's like 200, 300 bucks, protect what you have. And mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you also mentioned teamwork. You know, I, I think I called him out and said, hey, let's do this. And we just split the cost down the middle and we're co-owners of, of, of the mark. Yes. And also it, you need to, people need to understand if you make your Facebook or your Instagram or your Twitter private, that is not protection. You know, like, if you once you put it out there, it is everybody's it's fair taking. Game. Yeah, fair yeah. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're doing the research on how to protect whatever you have. I think that that is key because there's so many creative people out there. There's so, so many, many people who yeah. don't even realize that they're creating something that's worth millions. Yeah. And it's like you just got to take that extra step, pay that three hundred bucks. Yeah. And that three hundred bucks can turn you into a millionaire. Because then if somebody wants your idea, they got to pay you for it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they can't just steal it at that point in time. Yeah. And I think we like hearing these stories about people who, let's say they, 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 they bought their website outright and, you know, it's like somebody comes to take the name from them and they have to pay them. But it's like we never believe like we're good enough to, you know, have something that, that's worth protecting. Like I know plenty of people who have podcasts who, you know, they would skip that step. But for us, it was more so, hey, we thought about this name. We think it's catchy. We think it's a brand that we could maybe slap on some merchandise or whatever. So. Why not just do it early on and, and get it out of the way versus, you know, trying to play catch up later on. When somebody wants to either take our name or tell us to not use our name. Very smart. 
teamwork, man. Teamwork is yeah. the key. Yeah, yeah. We definitely like you know collab collaborating with people. You know, is I think I recently seen uh, something on social media where you know someone said, "I don't want a hundred percent of anything." You know, I want to collab on a bunch of things because yep. when you have hundred percent ownership, you know everything falls you know on your shoulders. You know, when you can collaborate with people and spread the equity out, things operate more efficiently. You know, they operate better because there are more hands to use um, as far as operations purposes, you know, but the thing with some people is that they look at it and they, they feel like when they're sharing in that equity, it's a loss of power. Yeah. And essentially it's not because when you bring additional, you know, um, well-knowledge people, you know, into your operation, you're actually greater in the brand or, you know, the, the the company that you have because you're bringing more knowledge base into it that's going to help it grow you know yeah. ultimately down the road so you have to get out of that short-term mindset look at it and say hey you know i got you know corporate corporate smack i got top millionaire you know let's team up you know we got a lot of finance uh, background on it yeah. let's put some ideas together and make something greater grow that can go you know not only domestically, but internationally, that can become, you know, a, a global service mm -hmm. or product. So it's all about, you know, having that willingness to, you know, to, to share, to bring other people on board versus, you know, just being able to say, oh, you know, I, I did it on my own. You know, yeah. I, I see that sometime where people, you know, they take pride in saying, oh, I, I did it on my own or, you know, I, I quote unquote, I got it out the mud. That's like one of the <laughs> older sons. Right. And it's like, you know, you, you worked harder, but you didn't work smarter, you know? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I said in this show, like two minutes ago, was like, if you play the game and you do it right, like you're protected. And so it's like, you look at all these sports acquisitions, like Magic Johnson didn't buy the Dodgers by himself. Derek Jeter didn't yeah. buy the Marlins by himself. Yep. Nobody's out here doing it by themselves. Right. Except except for the people that are losing. It's a bunch of syndications happening. And like you said, you know, the media, they they, they put that one name out in front of you. So yep. people just naturally think like, oh, like you said, Derek Jeter, you know, he bought the Marlins. No, yep. he didn't do it by himself. You know, he he had help with that. Or Magic Johnson yep. with the Lakers. No, like I said, any major sports organization is very rare that there's one person. You know, there there's a partnership. Yeah. There's partnerships since the beginning of time, man. I think yeah. the uh, the what do they say? That building in New York, the Empire State Building, was a syndication. <laughs> they yeah. said like 50, 50 people came together yep. at that time, put up like ten grand and built this building. Yeah, I was gonna touch on like some some real life examples with me and him as far as like teamwork, like. I think I've known you for less than two years, honestly. And yeah. in that time span, in that short time span, I was also working on a personal blog. And as soon as I met this guy, we started the Corporate Coke and Smack podcast. You introduced me to a mentoring program that we're now active members of. Uh, I'm here. You know, this is also a platform that you introduced me to. And it's just been the quality of conversation is different. Like, I remember 
you were going to approach your your corporate role and you were going to ask them for something and it was weird for me because i had never done that before i had never role played with a friend like hey i'm i'm going to play your employer you play you know whatever we just went back and forth it was like a mock interview yeah almost. it was like a mock like, interview like, and, we literally, did, we literally yeah. did a mock interview you know and it's like you, you don't get that by yourself you know i can sit here and say you know what i'm the greatest i want i want x y and z but somebody can say well why don't you want a b and c you know that's what he does it's it's very challenging and the quality of conversation and the quality of our thinking is just it wouldn't be there without teamwork yeah josh is a jerk man i was like <laughs> i was like he was like you got to get that mile time down man you got to get it down to 8 minutes hey. <laughs> i'm all about being progressive man hey, he's he's serious. Serious. Yeah. the first time i ran with them he made me run 7 miles i was i was about to pass out like this guy's crazy with the running so um, I was listening to, I don't listen to rap that often, but I was listening to Tory Lanez and he was talking about how he's trying to buy some real estate. And I was listening to, uh, of course, we know 444, he talks about real estate. Yeah. And what I'm starting to see is a lot of rappers are starting to talk about even accumulating wealth. Um, what do you guys think about that trend? Yeah, I love it. I mean, you know, because they're so influential, you know, within society that, if they're talking about it, you know, people are going to catch on. And yeah. with wealth, there there's enough for everyone. You know, it's not a matter of, oh, if, if Josh gets wealth, it's not accessible to, you know, John or Jeff. You know, it's enough for everyone to go around. There's so much money, so much available capital on the market in the world that, you know, people have to see that there are, opportunities out here it's just it's just a matter of acting on it but i do like how the you know the entertainers are speaking on it um because it, it's definitely um increasing you know the awareness of it but it all comes down to people acting on it you know it's not just a matter of you know getting in front of your your, your snapchat camera and yeah. rapping the lyrics and quote unquote, you know, creating this facade like you're yeah. balling out. Like, you know, we got we got like five bottles of Ducey tonight. We balling. I'm like, that's not, you know, an appreciating, you know, purchase. Yep. You know, but something like real estate where, you know, you can buy either land or you can buy you know, a house. And when you buy a house, you can literally pass that down from generation to generation. Exactly. Like, yep. I, I was talking to Toby and, you know, I was telling him like, you know, Currently, you know, my, my primary residence, um, I have I have a roommate in there. So he's contributing, you know, to my mortgage. And I'm like, even, you know, if I was to move, I'm going to keep that home. It's like worst case scenario, you know, if I have a if I have a child or children, if they have nowhere to live, they can come live in that house. And nobody can take it from, you know? And, and, and I always tell people, like, that's a hack in itself. If you yeah. can remove the housing expense for your children, mm -hmm. you've already created wealth for them. Yeah. Because then 100% of their working income is theirs. And we're out here competing with people who exist like that. Like, right. there are people out there who their grandparents, their parents, they bought that rental property. They let them stay there while they were in grad school. They let them stay there while they were starting their family. They let them move there. I remember when I used to um, work in, like, San Diego County. And you would look at these like old neighborhoods, but you would look inside and the whole house is redone because yeah. they inherited the house and they mm -hmm. just went in there and just redid the kitchen, put new TVs up and they're, they're paying $10,000. That's their whole loan on the house is $10,000 with all that equity. 
is like the home is paid off and you're literally just responsible for property taxes. I love it for all the reasons mentioned. Plus it also creates opportunities. You know, like you can employ some of your family members. I know people who they're in real estate and it was passed down from you know their parents. You know, it's like, okay, now they're working for their parents' firm and they're doing the same thing, acquiring more property. So, I mean, the fact that it's, it's now being looked at in hip hop, I think that's great because people who are in hip hop, they're like, they have the deeper pockets. You know, they're the mm -hmm. people who essentially sometimes they don't know what to do with their money sometimes, you know? And I mean, if you're gonna do something that's positive, it's tangible, you know, like, I mean, somebody can steal money, but it, it, it's kind of hard for you to you know, rob somebody of a building that they own per se, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. The crazy part about it is a lot of wealthy people, that's just what they do with their money for the purpose of parking it. Like mm -hmm. the owner of the firm, he just buys land and they call it land yeah. banking. And yeah. so it's like, you'll just have your money in this land because it's better to have it there where nobody can take it or nobody can get to it. And it appreciates in value if it does or if it yeah. doesn't. It's Absolutely. A, it's funny that you said that. Um, I, I recently met with a real estate investor here locally and he was going over um, a similar uh, initiative where he's literally purchasing lots. Like he's just lots, you know, just grass and trees. <laughs> and from, from the county tax sales, um, from where, you know, people get behind um, on like a, you know a county bill, um, and the come and the county comes in, they takes back the land, and they just sell it to you know an investor, and you literally can buy these lots, and now you have complete control over that land, so yep. you can build a house on it, you can build a, a building and start a business, like you literally have con so much control in your hand with as little as, you know, a few thousand dollars, you know, cash that you go in and you buy these lots of land. And that, that's just another way of, of showing where, you know, it doesn't take like the greatest amount of capital to start these initiatives. Yeah. It's just a matter of, you know, like I said, you know, being able to um, gain that knowledge, look at the whole system in its entirety and see where there are opportunities where, you know, it's, it's a low, um, you know, barrier to entry and get in there and act on it, yeah. you know, because like I said, with real estate, man, anything's possible. You know, you look at like, you look at the, the, the McDonald's kind of, um, the corporation and their model and, you know, they bought land and they literally just franchised everything out and they're just collecting, you know, these payments from the, from the franchisees who are, you know, using their land to run, you know, the, the different locations. I was watching that Ringling Brothers movie. I think it was Ringling Brothers, the circus movie, Greatest Showman. And like, if you pay attention, you realize like he was working at this firm, he lost his job. And then after he lost his job, he went and bought a building and the building had a museum inside of it. He turned that museum into a circus. But if you look, he, he didn't buy a business, he bought the building. And so he bought the real estate and then he turned that real estate into a business. Yeah. And so like, a lot of people out here are like, how can I get funding? How can I get funding? Well, it's like, you're trying to get business funding. What you need to do is get the funding for real estate, which is a lot easier to get because it's a lot more secure. And then you run the business out of that real estate. An example is if you want to start a restaurant, like don't go lease space, don't go lease equipment, go buy a building. You can buy a store in Compton for 300 grand. Your note will be like 1800 bucks a month. If you can't make 1800 bucks in one day in your business, 
you got bigger problems than that. Right, right. Like, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, you got to have to look at it as a real estate play and not just a, a business play. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And that just goes into just education as well. We, we need to educate yeah. ourselves more. Yeah. Absolutely. Real estate is like the, the, the safest play to building wealth, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think that my strategy always is like, and not always, but currently is like, while we're all getting into real estate and we still got to make sure we maintain those cash reserves, because that's one of the things that I think wiped out a lot of people is they were, they were, they were making good money, but they were living like they're making a good money. And I've been interviewed a lot of people on this podcast who were in real estate when the boom was going on and they were living it up and then they had to start all over from scratch. And one thing I always, I, I'm glad I actually remembered this point is we, up in during the election time, we got sold this idea that like African-American people have always kind of been poor and struggling and all that stuff. But before, during the boom time, during the 2000s, like there were very successful African-American families. People owned homes, people had businesses. Yeah. And like, it hasn't always been kind of what it was over the last few recession years. And so I think we're gonna to return to that. But I think it's important for people to know like there have been very wealthy african-american people there's going to continue to be very wealthy african-american people and if you just do what they've done you can be one of those people too it's just a matter of doing the action doing the work adhering to the system and, and, I, and I think that's a big part of it it's like you said adhering to the system you know following that path is what they call staying the course you know mm -hmm. things are going to get rough sometime in any you know business cycle but you got to stay the course you got to believe in your product or service and you have to stay committed because the worst thing you can do is, you know, when the, uh, the economic conditions change just to get nervous and to, you know, make a business decision that may not be in the best interest for the long term sake of, you know, your company or, you know, whatever business you have going on. So like you said, being able to have those cash reserves on hand where you can still remain, you know, operable and, you know, you don't have to make um, any desperate, you know, business decisions based on yep. the economy. That's important, you yep. know, whether, you know, you're renting out, you know, multiple units, things of that nature. You know, it, like you said, the cash flow is wonderful. You know, it's, it's, it's all good when it's bull. <laughs> when that bear comes yeah. in, you know, yeah. hey, you got you got to be prepared. I mean, that's where podcasts like this come in. It, we're trying to educate people not only how to make, but also how to manage. You know, because I think in 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 terms of money and, and talking about African Americans, we know how to make that money. We know how to make the money. It's the managing part that the the learning curve is. You know? Yeah. Um, so I have, I have three last questions, but I didn't know that Josh has a deal that it sounds like he's house hacking. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, can, I'm house hacking, man. Yeah, definitely. Can you tell us, um, I guess, the numbers on that deal, um, how it works out? If are you, are you generating positive cash flow or are you just kind of making enough so that you don't have to pay all your mortgage out of pocket? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so right now, I'm, I'm making enough that I don't have to pay mortgage out of pocket, um, and, and that's just based on you know, kind of the the deal that I set up. Um, it, it was a it was a, it was a local friend of mine. Um, he was looking for you know somewhere to move. Um, so just you know, just being um, very transparent, I gave him a you know a friendly deal on it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's not any positive cash flow at the moment. But 
the bottom line is cash flow. So yeah. when I look at it, you know, something is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it could be like as if I'm paying my own mortgage every month where he's covering it. And then, you know, what I'm doing is with, with those funds, I'm saving up to, you know, work towards, you know, um, another deal. Um, you know, I'm even working towards funding um, for, you know, to get into the uh, Todd acquisitions group. Nice. Um, so just, you know, you know, using those um, monetary inflows, um, you know, responsibly to work towards, you know, bigger goals and building wealth through, you know, different transactions. How are you able to, because this is something that everybody struggles with is, um, how are you able to save up the money for the down payment? Yeah, so, to, and, and I, I guess a great question, man. That's, that's, that's a very great question. Uh, the way I was able to save up for my down payment, I, I made uh, uh, a consent effort to say, hey, this is what I want to do. If I want to buy a home, I'm going to buy a home. So I cut back on, you know, um, the social stuff and going out on a Friday night or, you know, a Saturday night. I made changes to, you know, my eating habits. So I'm like, yo, I don't even need to be eating this much. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I could cut back on my grocery, my grocery <laughs> store bill. Just little changes to your budget. But like I said, that's happened over time. Like you aren't going to save up for a home down payment in like two months. So, you know, we're talking like, you know, this is this happened like a couple of years ago. I would also mention is that for anyone looking to get into a home, um, uh, a quote unquote primary residence, to uh, definitely reach out to local real estate um, agents because there are a lot of programs that are going on for first first time home buyers. So um, thankfully for me, I was able to get into my home um, with a lot of grants. So actually, like I saved up a bunch of money, and like you know, long behold, I didn't even need it. Like I wow. like so literally the I went to um, the bank, you know, my lender. Um, you know, I had to show proof that I had the funds. Um, once I was approved, the grant like covered um, my down payment, closing costs. So like when I went to the closing table, I actually received a check back. Nice. Wow. And, and, yeah. So I mean, I you know, I was definitely grateful. And like I said, it's just you know being able to find deals like that where. Hey, I got in there basically for no money down. Yeah. Um, it was a conventional loan. It wasn't an FHA. The conventional, I don't have any PMI. Like, this was, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's all about doing your research, man. That, that, that's a big thing with me. That I always do my due diligence. Like, I, I'm always talking to people. You know, I, I'm using, you know, my finance background to, to really introduce myself and to, to, to get, you know, kind of dive into the community and find those good deals but um yeah and i mean that's dope man the only restriction i have on my mortgage was you know i gotta live there for a year and you know yeah. that it's no no other restrictions so I, I was very thankful but anyone else you know who, who may not have access to grants like i said you just gotta to, to make that concerted effort to save up to make sacrifices you know and, and i know you say this a lot you know hey man you can't eat out you know like me personally I take my lunch. Let me let me tell you, Todd. I take my lunch every other week. And what's funny is that there are. Uh, it's a director in my office. He always comes to me and say, "You're gonna go out to eat," and I tell him no, and he gives me this big spill. And you know, I'm thinking like, "Hey, man, you know, I, I'm much, you know, early in my career than you. You know, I, I probably don't make as much as you. But it's not about that. It's about me making sacrifices for 
you know, goals that I have outside of this corporation. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just about, you know, going out to lunch and, you know, being sociable. You know, you got to make those sacrifices and tell people no. And you can't worry about what they think of you, you know? Like, oh, he doesn't want to go out to lunch or, you know, he may not be able to afford it. No, it's not about affordability. It's about building towards that wealth creation, you know, down the line. And I mean, he, he serves as a resource to me because I'm actually renting right now. And I know at one point we both had roommates, so we, we weren't paying that much in, in rent. You know, it was pretty low. And then when I decided I wanted to start studying for my CFA, I said, you know what, I want to get away from my roommate and, and just have my place of solitude and just, you know, study and get ready for that. But um, I mean, after I'm done with my level one, I do know that I would be in the market. And I mean, he's somebody that is definitely going to give me some advice. Like listening to him talk about his process, I, I, I was certainly amazed. Yeah. That's dope, man. It's dope for a lot of different reasons. I have a friend who just bought a property and um, he had a similar experience. Like he saved up all this money and then he went there and they gave him like a check for like however much and they took care of all his closing costs and took care of all these different things. And so like the money he thought he was going to have to spend, he ended up not having to spend. And then after he moved into the property, he had this issue with the HOA. And so I guess there was like this, uh, this issue with the plumbing and the plumbing backed up in his apartment or his condo. And they ended up having to re like renovate his entire place. So he's getting new bathrooms, new kitchens, new floors, and it's all on the HOA's bill. So it's like, it's, it's a fluke, but there's benefits to be come with being an owner. Cause yeah. Um, I mean, you start stepping into stuff that you didn't really even know like you could do, like things just reveal themselves to you when you start kind of getting into that arena. So three quick questions. I'm going okay. to, I'm going to just hit, hit you guys and then you could just answer them in turn. So, uh, the question sequence is what's your favorite book? What does wealth mean to you? And who is someone that you look up to and why? All right. So I actually, I, I have too many books that I love. But I will go with the last book that I read, which was in January, and that was by Chinua Achebe. Um, it's called No Longer at Ease. Mm -hmm. um, Chinua Achebe, he's actually of Igbo descent in Nigeria, so I, 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 felt, that, I felt that connection. And it, it was just talking about tradition, growing up as an Igbo man. And it's like, now that you're living in America, you're taking on American values. And it's sort of like your tradition is fading away. And even people back home, when I call back home, it's like, hey, you're doing so great. You know, send me money. And it's like, no, that, that, it, it's hard out here. So it kind of just talked about how they were brainwashed, you know, by, you know, colonials and into just like thinking that everything outside of their culture is better. And that's why we're dealing with some of the things we're dealing with now. There's a, a lot of Nigerians are doing dope stuff in America. Can you kind of yeah. touch on why that is? I, I will say at, at least for like first generation Nigerians who are coming to America, it's we're sold on, okay, hey, this is the land of opportunity. And we understand what it was back home. I actually went to like elementary school and a little bit of like middle school back home. So you see some of the conditions that or back home. Like one of the things for me that I always remember sticks to me to this day is I used to have to get up and take a shower with cold water, you know? So uh, if, if you wanted to bypass that, you have to boil your water and then you'd have to dilute it and then you go take a shower. And now that I'm here and I see, hey, this is like some little thing that 
you know, I, I can save time on and move on to the next thing. I, I value that. So that little thing could, could it, it makes me, you know, apply that mindset to other opportunities, like where I know I could, you know, simply just spend a couple hundred dollars and open up an LLC and, you know, start my own business and, you know, just be my own boss. So I feel as though Nigerians have that mindset where we know some of the deficiencies of, you know, our, like our home country. But now that yeah. we're here and there's a lot of opportunity, you can't put a limit on that. You know, it's like yeah. nobody's going to stop you and say, oh, your dreams are too big. It's just you can run with it. So that's why I think a lot of Nigerians are out here in, 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 in different industries that are just making waves. Yeah, I think that it's important. I always talk to my mom about this. Everybody's in the same country. They just have a different mindset about what exists here. Yeah. So it's, so it's like if you look at the opportunity as opposed to, I don't know what the opposite opportunity is. <laughs> like yeah. You're going to find, you're going to find a way. You're going to take advantage of it. So it's like, I think it's dope. I think it's dope yeah. to see. And it's like, hopefully it'll rub off and people will start to see like, man, like they look just like me yeah. and they're dominating. They look just like me. They come from the same place and they're getting degrees in great subjects. So why can't I get a degree in a great subject? As far as getting degrees in great subjects, we come from an from a educational background where you have to pay for school even when you're like even public education, you have to pay for it. You know, there's wow. school fees from, you know, elementary all the way up to high school. So there's no free education. So when you come here and you realize, hey, I don't have to burden my parents with this, like, yeah, you, you tend to work a little bit harder. Yeah, favorite book, um, I would say uh, uh, Ray Dalio, uh, Principles. Principles. Yeah, I like that book a lot. Um, I just like Ray Dalio's uh, methodology, um, his philosophy regarding how he runs, you know, uh, Bridgewater Associates, the hedge fund. Um, it's like the biggest hedge fund or something? Or yeah, something like yeah, that. yeah, the largest hedge fund in the world. Um, and just how he, you know, he empowers, you know, all his um, employees or associates to you know, don't be fearful to challenge, you know, someone who may be in a superior position. Um, you know, if you see something that you disagree with from, you know, um, uh, an executive, like speak out on it and nice. how, you know, he, he shoots all his employees straight, so to speak, like he doesn't really, you know, sugarcoat anything. And I think that's, you know, um, a very great way to run um, an organization. You know, a lot of corporate, a lot of corporations don't do that. But I think that's the best way because that's how you get most out of your employees. Like, if someone's doing something wrong, tell them they're doing something wrong. Don't try to, you know, say, hey, you're doing this, but maybe, like, no, you know, tell them straight up, like, you're doing this wrong. This is how, you know, you could do it better to to make us, you know, a more efficient or effective company. Um, but yeah, he, he has a lot of gems in that book. I, I would really? suggest that to anyone. I, I mean, I, I'm not even like a quarter way through. I'm like, I've, read so many things that wow. I, you know apply to my personal life that like i said i, I would definitely recommend it to anyone yeah, that one's in my list i have that one as soon as i finish this damon john book i'm definitely reading that one. Oh yeah nice. okay cool nice what does wealth mean to you it's something that you can't take from me um it's something that i could pass on to you know my, my kids and something that can live on forever um yeah i, I would say that sums up what wealth means to me I would kind of use it uh, synonymous to uh, financial freedom um, in the sense that, you know, we all have different 
you know, cost of living in a sense where, you know, my my style of living may cost different from your style of living. You know, you may, your, your standard car may be Benz or Mercedes. My standard car may be, you know, a Chevy or a Ford. But, you know, if, if both of us, if you can, you know, um, comfortably afford that car, like as far as, you know, if you can pay it cash or, you know, if you have a very minimal car note, and that's definitely, you know, contributing to um, having a very low overhead, um, so to speak. Um, yeah, I think wealth is, is being able to live with a very low overhead, um, being able to, you know, have that um, investment account or, or that savers account where you can lean on, um, you know, in times of a, of a rainy day, being able to... Uh, for things for future generations so you know for your your children or you know yeah if you're old enough to have grandchildren being able to you know afford expenses for them when you have that you know those options i think that's when you start to think in the terms of wealth you know yeah when i look at you know my, my corporate role and i see you know clients and you know they have accounts for you know grandchildren like you know, these grandchildren don't even know they count, but like when they hit 18 years old, like they're getting like, you know, 20,000 a month. Like that's dope. Yep. Like, that's, that's love. Like that's yep. love. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's what I think of wealth. Yeah. My, uh, my new definition of wealth is when you make money just by existing, yeah. like you yeah. don't even got to do anything and you're making like multiple, like sums of money. Yeah, it's like multiple streams of income, having yeah. like a bunch of, you know, income producing assets. That's, yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. Last question is, who is somebody that you look up to and why? Yeah, I'll go. Um, so, I, I mean, this may sound cliche, but um, I would say my grandfather. Um, it's not cliche. I thought you were going to say Jay-Z. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cliche, but Bye. that's cool. Now, I would say my grandfather, um, you know, he's no longer living, but when he was alive, um, he, he was into um, real estate heavy. Um, he was the uh, first uh, black captain of the Baltimore City Fire Department. Um, so he definitely had strong accolades. Um, as far as, you know, real estate, um, he had probably about like nine or 10 properties himself. Um, you know, my, my grandmother, she didn't have to work. Like, so, you know, he had, you know, the, the, the family, you know, comfortably secure. Um, but, you know, he had a go-getter mentality. Um, and, you know, that's something that, you know, I, I was passed along in my genetics, um, be my family. Um, you know, even looking at, like, my, my, my parents and, you know, um, aunts and uncles and their involvement in real estate. I really feel that he set the tone for the family um, and sounded a great example, you know, yeah. being a leader. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's someone, you know, I look up to and, you know, his, his legacy and how, you know, I can look at that and say, you know, I want to be greater than my grandfather. You know, he, mm -hmm. he have a great legacy, but how can I be greater than that? You know, to, to secure things for my family, you know, it might be people, um, you know, close friends that I can help out with. Like, I feel like once you get to a certain level of wealth, like, you know, you look great in your family and you're like, you know, how can I be an impact um, on a philanthropic, you know, level, things like that, like where mm -hmm. you're touching people you never met, but you're making such a great impact on the world. So okay. that's something that, you know, I'm, I'm definitely want to build towards. That's cool. 
Yeah, and after some thinking, there there are a lot of people that I look up to, but I would say the most influential in my life is my brother, my oldest brother. Um, so he was actually sent to America at the age of 16. It was like a birthday gift. And looking back and thinking about that, at 16 years old, being sent to a country by yourself, your your family is in, in a different country, in a different continent. I don't know how he did it, but I know when I then came to the country, he was the first person who believed in me. He actually put money in my hand. I mentioned the first investment that I ever made where I lost money. Um, so he taught me very a very important principle about money, and he he also taught me some some simple ways of just managing my life. He he, he introduced me to the book As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. That was very influential in my life. And then he also talked about, it's this thing he used to tell me. And I remember he used to always say, uh, you know, how's your PMS? And I would think that's the weirdest thing ever, but it's the physical, mental, and the spiritual. You know, so that's something where whenever anything is going wrong in my life, it's like, okay, well, am I, am I, am I working out? Am I, am I running? Am I taking care of my body? Am I reading? Am I, you know, having stimulating conversations and it's like you know on the spiritual side am i having conversations with god and things like that so i think he he's yeah he's the most influential person that i look up to that's dope i think that one of the cool things about both of you guys selections is that it's somebody that's in your bloodline which means it's somebody that you can become like we all have these jay-z's these whomever's but like when you're chasing after somebody who shares the same blood as you like in a lot of ways, it's a foregone conclusion. Like you're yeah. doing things that your grandfather's doing, you're doing things that your brother is doing. And I think that that's why it's so important to have good examples, but then also be a good example. Cause there's somebody who's looking at you and they're like, dang, I could, I could be just like Josh. I could be just like Toby. Yeah. So that's dope. I don't want to get too deep on that, but um, um, can you let people know where they can find more about um, you guys as individuals and then you guys as the podcast? All right. So as an individual, I actually run a blog. It's called Long Live Toby. That's longlivetobe.com. And it's kind of like a lifestyle blog. If you ever need to reach out to me, I will respond as soon as possible. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm heavy on there. It's also Long Live Toby. I have an Instagram. That's the same tag as well as you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Facebook and, and LinkedIn. I would say as far as the podcast goes, you can search for Corporate Coke and Smack if you have SoundCloud or if you're using uh, your iPhone to through the podcast app, you can search for Corporate Coke and Smack. As soon as you search Corporate Coke, it will, will pop up. And uh, for me, um, you can uh, locate me on uh, Twitter at IDK underscore underscore yo, Y-O. Um, and on Instagram, um, IDK underscore yo. So... Don't ask how that name came right. about. Right. <laughs> so about to. Yeah, the, the, the name came about, um, you know, you have to create these handle names on social media. And, you know, my friends were asking, like, you got to make a name. I'm like, I don't know, yo. And I'm like, all right, well, that's going to be my name. So there it goes. I think the funniest part about this podcast is it took us, like, six months to finally get it to happen. Yes, I yeah, think I, yeah. I approached Josh to get on the show when yeah. I just started the podcast, and he was—I don't know what he said. He said, "I'm not ready, or I want to wait, or something." Nah, nah, I, nah. I, really, what happened was, you know, I, I just wanted to, say, um, you know, kind of get our personal podcast more developed. You know, to have mm -hmm. 
some more um, episodes and, and more products to you know to to, to show our, our listeners. But yeah, like I said, I'm I'm thankful that you know we were able to finally make this happen. Appreciate yep. you for the opportunity. Like you said, there's a lot of knowledge spilled on this episode. Um, yeah. Followers uh, definitely listen to. Like I said, it kind of attests to the movement you already have going on with you know yeah. your whole Todd Millionaire Empire. You know, <laughs> it's only growing by the day. You know? It's growing, growing, by, man. growing by the hour. You know. <laughs> yeah, um, I also would love to thank you for the opportunity because, like you said, you reached out to Josh six months ago, and uh, he. Uh, he reached out to me now and I was grateful that he reached out to me for this opportunity. You know, on corporate Coke and smack, I'm, I'm the more, I'm the loud one, you know? So I think a lot of people think that I'm just this loud and unfiltered guy. And I, I, I can use this as proof. Like, Hey, this is like, we have an agenda here, you know? So whenever, yeah, whenever they're important things, we can always switch up the tone. So thank you for <laughs> giving me that platform. Cool. Cool. So, um, this is episode number 58 with Corporate Coping Smack. Check them out. They're doing great things. I'm not sure what episode they're on. What episode are you guys on right now? 134. Yeah, 34. 34. 34, 35. Corporate Coping Trump. Where it's the time that We're going to call this Corporate Cope and Coke, Corporate Coke and Trump. Um, if you guys want to join any of our investment clubs, it's so crazy. I always make this pitch, but I didn't know that people actually like follow it up. People follow it up. So, um, and also people, a lot of people have been listening to the podcast and getting some, uh, some motivation. So, I mean, a few success stories. Um, I have somebody who said they bought like two properties in Marietta, Georgia. I have people creating LLCs. I have people who are doing some really cool stuff. So, um, I appreciate you guys for not only listening, but taking action on what you listen, because that's what it's all about. You build your life by the actions you take, not just by the content that you take in. So, um, as always, you can reach us at info at capitaltod.com. You can reach me personally at charles at capitaltod.com. You can find out everything you need to know about the company, about the investment club, about everything we're doing on the website, which is capitaltod.com. This is episode number 58. My name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire, signing off.